hear ye, hear ye. Coming to you from the Baker Law Group, Studio 107, it's SOL. Live, raw, and uncensored with your host, Drew Baker. Shady that Baker. just happened. J.R. Thomas. The Godfather. Matt Dixon, the Iron Man. And Kristen Camacho, the Enforcer. I didn't choose this. A podcast dedicated to protecting your rights by exploring the law, politics, and current events. You have the right to remain silent and listen or call in and become a part of the show. And now, here's your host, Shane and Babe. All right. It's exciting to be back. Podcast number three. We were uh, lucky last week we had one of our friends from the Pittsburgh law firm of Robert Pierce and Associates come in, talk to us a little bit about arbitration agreements. That was very interesting. Learned a lot. But today it's uh, myself, the Shake and Bake, our intern, Ashley. Hi, Ashley. You could find me on podcast number two as well. This is true. She did join us that day. It was very nice. She added a lot of things that uh, I found to be helpful and insightful from a younger person's perspective, which as much as I'd like to say that's still me, it's not. Um, Mr. Dixon, the enforcer, is here with us today. Or the Iron Man. Oh, good point. (laughs) I'm used to going to Kristen next, so that's my fault. But anyway, the Iron Man, give us your best uh, growl. There it is. And a special guest today, uh, but not really a guest, a always host of the show, but coming to us live from Florida, a second home for him as well as me, but him more than me, uh, enjoying himself down south, it's the Godfather. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're happy to have him here today. It's, it's become a situation where if we're going to have uh, Mr. Thomas the godfather on the show. He may be appearing more often via telephone, which is the beauty of taking some time and enjoying the fruits of your labor. Would you agree with me? I, I love fruit. As do I. <laughs> Everybody likes fruit. All right. We, uh, we do have an important show today, and we're following up on our first episode, which involved the different types of coverage and understanding your coverages. Uh, We covered last time bodily injury coverage. We talked about how it's important to know how much you carry. Uh, I remember talking to Matt about it, and Matt had a very interesting response when I asked him, what kind of coverage do you have, Matt? Full coverage, Drew. He does not have full coverage. We talked about that's kind of a myth. talked about how the agents may tell you you're fully covered, but in reality, that doesn't mean anything. What means something is your declarations page and what it says about the amount of coverage and the type of coverage that you carry. So today we're going to talk about the other coverage known as UM, UIM. What does that stand for? Is it uh, United Methodist, Methodist coverage there, Matt. <laughs> no, Drew, although perhaps in some circles. It's uh, uninsured motorist or underinsured motorist policy. That sounds very interesting. Now, maybe the Godfather could bring us up to speed on, on what those coverages do. That's, that's coverage that's triggered when the insured's damages um, exceed the tortfeasor or the person who caused the damages when it exceeds their limits under their automobile liability coverage. 
All right. And, uh, under, under Ohio law, um, uh, there's been a, a metamorphosis on this law in Ohio. Um, there was a period of time where that, that coverage was required to be offered to people purchasing policies in Ohio, and a period of time where there had to be, if they didn't accept it, there was a written rejection of the coverage. That is no longer the law under the statute. It's 393718 of the Ohio Revised Code. And now the statute simply states that it may be offered, it may be included in the policies. That's a uh, thorough explanation and helpful. Uh, by way of just giving the general public an example, uh, we'll run a little skit here. I'm driving down the road and, you know, I wanted to pay my premium. I really did last month, but after looking at some of the other options, especially the special that they had on Milwaukee's Best, I chose not to, and instead I got a 30-pack. But anyway, I'm driving down the road, and everything's good until, uh-oh, I looked down to check my phone, looked up, the light's red. Oh, no, this is bad. This is very bad. But uh, Matt was in the other car, and uh, he's just walked over, and, and he wants to ask me a question. What can I do for you, sir? I'm sorry, I, I hate your car. I apologize. Can I get a copy of your insurance card? Oh, um, well, I, I, I'll have to go and check my glove box, but uh, I think my wife took it out last week. Um, I, I'll just get that to you a little later. How about I just get your name and number and you, uh, and I'll give you a call. I don't think that's going to work. Why don't we? Why don't we just get the police involved? Now? Oh, the police! I, I I don't know about that. Uh, here, Ashley, my passenger, she can tell you that I had insurance, right? Um. Wait, I was driving. I'm the millennial texting on my phone. Uh oh. I think we're in trouble. But so, what what does this mean? Where are you at now, Matt? What What are your options? Uh. Well, a couple of options. One, you know, I can I can take your information. Um, obviously, I, I'd probably want a police report at that point, especially if I'm not getting your insurance information or you don't have anything to offer. Certainly want to call my insurance company, make them aware um, that there's been an accident and that I'm not sure whether or not you have coverage at this point. And then when you gave the godfather a call, what did you tell him, godfather? I told him that the police should have been called for sure, that uh, some some carriers are going to require that a report is um, made, and if you didn't make one at the time, they may require that you go in and create one after the fact. I'd also tell him I wanted to see his uh, coverage, um, uh, his declaration sheet, and his policy for the definitions under the policy, and uh, I'd want to know what information had been provided about the um, your insurance coverage, whether you had provided the name of the carrier, um, um, and if you hadn't, what was your contact information? Excellent. So at that point, Matt's stuck in somewhat of a bind if he doesn't have what type of coverage? Well, what he needs in that particular situation is if your coverage is in fact lapsed, the coverage that would come into play at that point would be known as uninsured motorist coverage. Now, the definition of uninsured and underinsured motorist coverage has evolved over the years so that essentially one definition covers both. But um, 
uninsured motorist coverage is coverage that would come into play because you didn't have any. And the amount of coverage available to you uh, is defined in your policy. The limits are defined in your policy. What determines what is you qualify for under those limits is what your damages are. And damages are separately defined by the law um, and by statute. So in this particular case, you're dealing with uninsured motorist coverage that's going to be capped by the limits in your policy. Now, there's several things that come into play in these policies. All of these policies have notice requirements to the carriers, which you've talked about, letting your carrier know. But also, there are clauses called exhaustion clauses and subrogation clauses and consent clauses and set-off clauses in these policies. So in a straight, uninsured motorist uh, situation, um, you wouldn't be dealing with the exhaustion and subrogation clauses or the consent clauses. Those come into play when you're dealing with an uninsured or underinsured motorist situation where the other person, where you had coverage, but your limits are less than the ones that Matt had. Right. If, just for some of the uh, young aspiring lawyers out there, one of the things that was brought to my attention when I first started doing personal injury work, that is a giant landmine if you don't know this. And fortunately, I had uh, mentors like the Godfather to give me the right information, is that if you want to utilize under insurance or an underinsured policy, and you've been offered the limits of the individual who's responsible. So, for example, let's say the person that caused the accident has $25,000 in coverage, but the damages in the case are going to be, let's say, $100,000. Am I allowed, Godfather, to just take their $25,000 when they offer it to me and then go to my... Uh, underinsured carrier and ask for the rest of the money? No. And what... what? This is, a, this is an underinsured situation where the damages um, uh, to the insured um, are in excess of the tortfeasor's limits. In that situation, your carrier, the underinsured carrier... Uh, would be entitled uh, to being informed that an offer had been tendered to them or to you for the limits of the available liability coverage. Under most policies written today, you would first of all have to exhaust the tortfeasor's limits, the person who caused the accident's limits. So the 25000 you're you're above that you number. Exhaust that or substantially exhaust that, which is a little twist we can talk about in a little bit. You also are bound by what's called a subrogation clause in your policy, which means that any payments made to you for injuries caused to you by a tortfeasor, payments made by your insurance company, if you receive any type of reimbursement from the person who caused your injuries, your insurance company is subrogated or entitled to be paid back the amounts you recover from the person who caused your injuries. 
you are required by policy language to hold those monies in trust for your insurance carrier. Also, all policies written today now with regard to uninsured, underinsured motorists, if there's going to be a settlement with the person who caused the accident, again, the tortfeasor, they have a right to consent to whether or not you are going to accept the tender limits from the tortfeasor. This is called the consent clause. Ohio law and the contractual language related to the consent clause has evolved so that most policies now state that they have a reasonable time not to exceed 30 days to either give you consent to accept the limits or advance the amount of money or the limits tendered to you from the coverage. So if 25000 was tendered, the limits were tendered to you, and they don't want you to take that money within 30 days, they either have to say you can take it or not, and if they say you can't, then they have to write you a check for, for $25,000. Is there a time frame generally in the policies that... They have to write that check? Most say 30 days. So they have 30 days to evaluate whether they want to pursue any kind of action to be reimbursed against the person who's caused the accident. Uh, And if if they they do want that to happen, then they have to write the check within that 30-day period, or they can just tell the person who's suffered the injury to accept the money from the other carrier and then proceed with a cause of action, or I guess in this case more so a, a claim against the underinsured motorist policy. Is that right? That is correct. And that claim is processed either in a negotiated uh, fashion between you or you, you, your attorney and the carrier, or the policy will require that you file for arbitration. Most policies don't allow a, 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 a direct action um, against the um, under uninsured underinsured carrier uh, unless you've complied with all term, terms in the policy. And most policies contain an arbitration clause which says you will request arbitration pursuant to the policy. And um, uh, many of the policies have what I call a champion system. Uh, you name an arbitrator. The others, the insurance company names a, an arbitrator, and the two of those pick a third. Hey, uh, Matt, some policies, some policies require you go through the American Arbitration Association. Um, Ashley, did, did you hear that word? What word? The arbitration word. Oh, that was. Yeah. Oh, week two. But this this made me think of something from week one, actually, where you are allowed to pursue um, the bodily injury. And then it, if, it, if it exceeds the policy, you can sue someone personally. Well, can you then go after your own UM, UIM or UM and then sue the person personally like, as well? I think, what, I think what you're asking is if you uh, were involved in an accident, it was someone else's fault, and you wound up utilizing the UIM underinsured motorist policy, would you still be permitted to then sue the person that caused the accident individual that individual outside of the insurance policy? Is that right? That's right, yeah. What do you think about that, Godfather? Well... 
if, if first of all, it would be highly unusual if you if you hadn't put the person causing the accident on notice of the claim. And most times when these claims aren't resolved, you have sued the defendant, the person that caused the accident, and you've sued your own insurance company um, um, within a time period prescribed by policy. Underinsured claims, uninsured, underinsured claims generally have a three-year statute of limitations instead of just a a straight two-year statute of limitations. But if you're going to sue the tortfeasor, you might as well bring in, invite everybody to the party. And um, um, they may object, saying you haven't arbitrated. Um, and and that's, Ooh, that's sorry. Yeah. Uh, but could you still could you settle with your tort fee for, with your insurance company for the limits of your coverage, and uh, then pursue the tort fees for the damages above those limits? Yes, technically you could, but you need to understand that whatever recovery you made um, would be a recovery recovery made against a, a responsible third party, and pursuant to the subrogation and trust clauses of your insurance policy, you would have to hold in trust for the underinsured or uninsured carrier any amounts up to the amount that they paid um, the limits of your policy if they paid the entire limits. So you may get a verdict against someone who hurt you or caused the accident uh, after you've settled with your company, but unless they have waived their right to recovery, you're going to be holding in trust any amounts up to the limits of your policy for your carrier. Exactly. I think one of the ways to think about it is if you cause the accident, Everything we're talking about doesn't matter. If you don't cause the accident, somebody else does. And other people, either your insurance company, your personal auto carrier, your health insurance, your Medicaid, your Medicare, uh, anybody else that's going to put money towards making you whole uh, in the sense of either through medical treatment or through, in this case, you might utilize the medical payments portion of your policy that we talked about uh, on episode one. All of those folks, if you get money, only if you get money or compensated from the person who was at fault, but in the event you do, you've got to pay everybody back. And thats I don't think that's the way it is everywhere, right? I mean, that's, that's Ohio. I don't know that that's the case in other states, but a lot of people find themselves in harm's way because they don't realize that. And they think that the settlement amount is whatever it is, less the attorney's fees and costs, not realize, and, and medical bills, not realizing that if somebody else paid their medical bills, like their health insurance carrier or their own auto carrier through the medical payments coverage, that those folks are going to want their money back. And they have a right to get their money back. One of the other aspects of this coverage is that uh, it's uh, misunderstood sometimes. For instance, a lot of people have split limit policies, uh, 100000 per person, 300000 per accident. Um, liability coverage and uninsured, underinsured motorist coverage. The split limits mean that the lower limit is the maximum that a single individual can recover for a claim under the coverage. The higher limit is the maximum that will be paid no matter how many claims are made against the coverage. 
what is consistent in um, all policies and with the statute is that if you have received money from someone who caused an accident and you uh, have, let's say, they have $25,000 limits and you have $100,000 limits, what is available to you is not $25,000 plus $100,000. What is available to you is the $75,000 difference between the $25,000 limits that the person who caused the accident had with their carrier and the 100000 that you had per person under your policy. That's right, because that, that comes up a lot when we meet with new clients and they do understand the basics of the insurance policy and they will say, well, if they've got 25000 I've got 250 so I obviously have 275000 that's clearly not correct, at least under Ohio that is law. Not, that is not correct. And, and it becomes tricky when you're dealing with single limit policies of liability coverage. Instead of a split limit, like we talked about just a minute ago, there'll be a single liability limit of $300,000 or $250,000 or $500,000. What that means is that they're, all the money that's available is a single sum for all claims and so you may have let's say there's five people that are injured in your car and the person that caused the injuries has a single limit policy of three hundred thousand dollars but the damages collectively for all five people in your car are way over a million dollars and each person uh, has a potential claim for the three hundred thousand First of all, there's an inherent conflict between all of the people there in that car with the claims to the single limit of coverage. Secondly, there may be other underinsured policies that people, if they are adults riding in your car, they may have policies that apply to them that would come in as secondary coverage and apply on either a um, um, secondary basis or a pro rata basis defined under the policy. So it becomes it becomes very tricky when there is a single limit policy for liability coverage and then a split limit policy for underinsured coverage, but it's even trickier when both policies are single limit and you have multiple people with substantial damages. Which typically, from a practical standpoint, means it's going to be a long, long road to work out because if the attorneys don't agree on that split, then it has to be litigated and it takes you know an extraordinary amount of time to either get everybody on board or to go through the litigation. It, it, my experience is those are those are tough cases because uh, you're basically dividing up not enough money uh, unless this person has an extra policy that's secondary to that. It's a bar. It's a bar exam question. It is. It really is. So, um, oh, I hear the clock ticking. We've got about seven minutes, and Godfather, Mr. Dixon brought up an interesting dilemma the other day, or at least an interesting way of looking at underinsured motorist coverage with respect to that of state minimum coverage of 25000 in Ohio. And why are we selling $25,000 
uninsured or underinsured. I get the uninsured, but the underinsured portion uh, gets a little bit a little confusing as to why it, there's any value whatsoever in that. Matt, you go ahead and explain what you were uh, talking to me about the other day when it came to that. Well, essentially, Drew, it's a, you know you have a set off. So if you have a twenty five thousand um, dollar minimum policy, state of Ohio minimum policy, twenty five thousand dollars for bodily injury. And you have damages above and beyond that, so you're going to exhaust it. But you go back to your policy, and your policy only has an underinsured motorist uh, limit of $25,000. Effectively, you have $0 worth of underinsured liability protection. They've sold you snake oil. Snake oil. Yes, sir. And well, the only, time, the only time that comes into play is when you have multiple claims against the underlying $25,000 limit. And then the case law talks about available for payment. So if there were multiple claims against the $25,000 in liability coverage and three other people who were injured consumed um, $15,000 of that money and you got $10,000, all that was available for you was $10,000. So you would have a claim to an additional $15,000 under your $25,000 underinsured limits. And that's why we call him the Godfather, because that is an excellent explanation that we had not considered. But that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's important to note that these things, while they sound incredibly complicated and can be, the most important thing for the listeners out there that are, are interested in what they need in terms of coverage, think about the fact that you don't get to pick who decides to hit you in your car. You don't get to say, I want the guy that's got a million dollars in bodily injury coverage. Whoever hits you is out of your control. The only thing that's in your control is how much uninsured or underinsured coverage you have. What's a good way, Godfather, to know, uh, or at least to, to, I guess, properly prepare for the unfortunate accident where the other party is either uninsured or underinsured? The last study I saw, I think, was in 2013. Over 10% of the drivers in Ohio uh, are driving without any insurance. So there's a one in 10 chance right out of the blocks that if you're in an accident, the other other party's not gonna have insurance. What you have to understand is the, that the uninsured, underinsured motorist coverage, and I've told this, I told this to clients for decades, is the most important coverage you can have because it protects you, it protects your family. It protects the people that mean the most to you. And so you have to look at a worst-case scenario when you're purchasing your insurance coverage. What would happen if something catastrophic happened um, to you or your spouse or to, to someone else that required long-term um, serious care and, and make your coverage decisions um, somewhat based on that? And at some point, I think we probably need to talk about um, in another broadcast, talk about the uh, umbrella coverage and the availability of umbrella coverage and an application of that yeah. to 
uninsured um, situations. But most people think they have enough insurance until they need it. And then they find out that they're woefully uninsured and it's too late. So um, the old saying, penny wise and pound foolish, um, you probably need to have more coverage than you think you need. A $100,000, $300,000 policy does not go very far in a catastrophic um, event. And so I always encourage people to uh, carry a minimum of 250000 and to carry a personal umbrella. And I agree. We need to go through the umbrella on another episode and talk about that, as well as something else that gets conveniently hidden within your policy called a family exclusion. Um, this case, I don't remember specifically when that came out, JR. I remember years ago um, when it did, it would, you know, caused a lot of uh, caused a lot of discussion among those in, in the plaintiffs' world and how uh, that was, if no other way of saying it, related. I mean, you're buying insurance thinking that you're fine, only to find out that uh, your family members, in the event you're involved uh, in the accident, well, that that that. That exclusion um, uh, comes into play when you have two defined insureds in a vehicle and one of the defined insureds causes the accident. Right. And by definition in the policy, uh, there is no, there may be no liability coverage to the family member. And um, then uh, by definition in the policy, there may be, may be no UIM coverage under the policy. The misguided basis behind that, uh, the argument was that there could be collusion. Sure. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, most people don't collude to uh, negligently cause um, serious injuries to their family members. Not something you hear too much about, for sure, but sounds like a great excuse that would yeah. be used by the insurance companies to limit the coverage. Right. Right. And the other thing you've got to be careful about with uh, this coverage, and I think we ought to touch on the property damage coverage before we close, is that if you have multiple vehicles, and the statute specifically allows for this, the Ohio statute specifically says, that if you own multiple vehicles or have available for use uh, or furnished to you vehicles to you, spouse, or family members, that are not included under the definitions of the insured vehicles in your policy. Let's, so let's say you have two or three vehicles that are, or two vehicles that you've got covered under the policy and because one vehicle's older and you know, you don't think that much about it, you don't have, you don't carry um, collision on it anymore and you decide not to include that in the underinsured coverage on the policy. Well, if you're in that, if you happen to be in that vehicle, and it was available to be uh, covered under the policy, and an uninsured, underinsured claim arises, you're out of luck. That, that stinks, yeah. And important to, to recognize, because there are many people that have a vehicle at their house, it's not used often, maybe it's even a weekender. Uh, for the right. weekends that you go out, you want to go ride around in the Jeep with the top off. It's not something that's a daily commuter. You, you figure I'm going to get a deal by cutting my coverage down. Uh, and that makes sense since I don't drive the vehicle all the time. And then you find yourself in that dilemma. 
And and then the other thing we wanted to talk about was the property damage, um, uninsured, underinsured motorist coverage, because what we've been talking about so far is bodily injury, uninsured, underinsured motorist coverage. Also available in Ohio is uninsured, underinsured property damage coverage. And you have to understand. I think the what what are the what are the minimum limits now for property damage in Ohio? Is it fifteen thousand? I believe it's fifteen, right? All right. Um, go buy a new vehicle for fifteen thousand dollars these days. So, if if you have a policy that has um, it doesn't have uh, underinsured uninsured property damage coverage on, and you get clean in a new vehicle, a fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollar vehicle, by somebody who only has fifteen thousand dollars in coverage, you're you're going to be in trouble. Well, especially if you have, uh, if you if you if you bought that vehicle and financed that vehicle, I don't think exactly the excuse right. to the person you finance or that financed you, the excuse of well, this this individual didn't carry enough coverage is going to go very far. Well, and that and and there and there's a there's a discussion on gap coverage we can have too, but un, if you have if you don't have the UI UIM coverage, you're going to be stuck with your collision coverage provided you have it. But most collision policies have a deductible, and deductibles can be generally fifty two, fifty five hundred, or a thousand, uh, and commercial policies even more. So um, and it's it's relatively compared to other coverages under your policy. The uh, UI, UIM property damage coverage is very, very inexpensive and worth having on your policy. Exactly. And I mean, on top of that, the UM, UIM coverage, generally speaking, isn't that much more when you look at it in light of what you're getting. And if we talk about umbrella coverage and future episodes, it's shocking how inexpensive the umbrella coverage can be to far exceed what maybe you need or you feel comfortable with in terms of your limits. So something to- and, with, and with the umbrella coverage, we'll talk about this, but you need to make sure that they've included the UI, UIM coverage. It used to be standard that it was. Now you have to ask for it and it's an additional premium. Right, that's right. Uh-oh, that's the whistle. Sounds like we're uh, out of time today. Very informative. I think uh, you provided us with some great information. The Godfather is always on call, and that's why we uh, that's like why we like to have him on the show. With that, Yama, being, <laughs> Yama, I'm not as confused now. Yeah, it actually what it's done, uh, Jr. Is it's helped our newest addition here at the office better understand what we're talking about when we speak in these foreign languages of insurance. But that's helpful. Mm-hmm. It's good for training. Mr. Dixon, did you learn something today? Absolutely. Always uh, informative. Thank you. That's wonderful. And uh, we like to thank everybody for listening today. We'd like to thank you, Godfather, for joining us on the program. We will be submitting the, this as the last episode uh, that we have to have completed so that we can become part of iTunes and iHeartRadio podcast. We're excited to get on that directory and hopefully we'll be there in perhaps two to three weeks. In the interim, we will keep you apprised of our next episode on Facebook and we will update that as uh, need be and, and hopefully we'll have something out for you 
on a weekly basis starting in about a month. It's just a long process. We want to make sure it sounds good. We want to make sure it looks good. Can't do anything about the looks of uh, Mr. Dixon or myself. But uh, you don't have to watch the live version if you don't want. You can you can listen. So anyway, thank you. We'll talk to you soon on SOL. Thank you for listening to SOL. Join us next time on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and iTunes. For additional information or questions related to your legal matter, contact the Baker Law Group at 614-228-1882. That's 614-228-1882. Be safe, know your rights, and follow the law. This podcast is adjourned.